0: Amen. Thank you, David. Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, Merry Christmas to those of you also watching with us online. It just feels so good to be able to just gather and and just be together here uh, on Christmas after the year that we've had. Uh, There is a phrase that I have found myself using a lot. Like it comes up in conversation like over the last month or so. Uh, We'll be talking about things and how things have, you know, happened over this past year. And this is the phrase I will use. I'll say, what a difference a year brings. You know what I mean? Like what a difference a year brings. Think back one year ago from right now. Think about Christmas of 2019. Think about where you were, what you were thinking about, what your plans for the year included. Uh, If if you think about where we were one year ago right now, our plans for the future were bright, right? We were riding one of the best economies our nation has ever experienced. Uh, our, Our plans for the future included, you know, high school graduations, summer vacation plans for many of us. Um, you know, uh, all kinds of things, weddings, summer weddings, all all these kinds of things, you know, career goals that seem very attainable. Think about this. One year ago from right now, the word COVID wasn't even in your vocabulary. Can you believe that? Like that was, if you would have met like the, the version of yourself a year ago and said the word COVID, you would have been like, what? What's that? It's amazing how much can change in just one single year. 2020 came into our lives like an uninvited guest sitting in our living room on a zoom call eating all the food in the house using up all the toilet paper apparently and you know canceling all our plans getting into fights with our relatives about politics and basically just speaking words of discouragement into our lives it's been brutal it's been a rough year and As I was thinking about tonight and how we're, you know, wrapping up this year, uh, here's what I want to say. For me, when I think about what's the greatest fear that I have for one year from now, if I look ahead one year from now, Christmas 2021, the, the biggest fear I have is that I will have looked at 2020 as something to just endure something to get through, something to put behind me as far as I can in the rearview mirror behind me. And my biggest fear is that I will fail to take with me the greatest lesson that 2020 has taught all of us. And so that's the question I want to ask you. What is the most important lesson that 2020 has taught us? I mean, besides the fact that toilet paper is the most valuable resource known to man, Maybe the next most important lesson. What what is the most important lesson that 2020 has taught us? Here's what I think it is. I think the most important lesson that we could possibly take with us from this year is that the things that we are tempted to put our faith and our hope in are not as secure as we thought they were. In fact, they're crumbling. And so the lesson from 2020 is, We need something secure and everlasting to fix our faith and our hope. And we we can't have an identity that's not secure, that's not everlasting. We can't put our identity in things that are crumbling. We need something secure and everlasting. And so 2020, if it was a story being written, 2020 had a lot of unexpected turns for all of us. And my prayer for tonight has been that for many of us, we, whether listening in the room or, or watching online, uh, my prayer is that 2020 has one more unexpected turn, but not in a bad way, in, in a good way. I, I think 2020 is not going to be a total loss. There's some of you that 2020 is going to include one more unexpected turn that's going to matter for all of eternity. So here's where we're going tonight. We're going to Luke chapter four in Luke's gospel. And what's happened is Jesus is about 30 years old. And so he's just about to begin what we call his public ministry. And up to this point in his life, he really hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't you know, healed people and done, done really anything. And so Jesus goes to preach his very first sermon as he's beginning his public ministry in his hometown. And, and this is how it goes. Luke 4 is where we're at, starting in verse 16 says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So this should be a friendly crowd. It's, it's the people that he grew up in, grew up with. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. That that one sentence is Jesus' first sermon that he ever preached. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Some of you wish I would be that brief. This is Jesus' big moment. And basically what he does is he looks at this passage of scripture in Isaiah that was written 700 years before he was born. In fact, in the month of December, we've been studying this passage of scripture, Isaiah 61, and Jesus reads this passage, and he says to his hometown group of people, he says, if you want to understand why I came, if you want to understand Christmas, if you want to understand my mission and why I'm here, we just read about it. That was about me, Jesus says. That entire scripture written 700 years ago was about what what I've come to do. And so Jesus preaches this message and what happens is uh, the people in the synagogue, his hometown folks, they have a huge reaction to this message and it's not good. Essentially what they do is they take Jesus out of the synagogue, they take him to a cliff and they try to throw him off a cliff. I just like to tell you, my first sermon went better than that. (laughs) They try to throw him off a cliff, thankfully unsuccessfully. And so it begs the question, Why? What was it about what Jesus just said? What was it about this passage of scripture in Isaiah 61 and and how he applied it to himself? What was it about that that made them so infuriated and made them so upset? It, It offended them in some way. This was a beloved passage of scripture. If you were a Jewish person growing up at this time, you would have known Isaiah 61. It's this beautiful passage that talks about how the problem to solve in our world is human sin. Everywhere we look, uh, human sin has broken the world we live in a broken and unjust society because of our human sin and we know that in 2020 don't we we've seen it but, but Isaiah 61 says that God is going to restore he's going to rebuild he's going to come and he's going to fix what's broken that God himself is going to do it it's this beautiful passage how could you not like what what Jesus had to say it wasn't for the Jewish people. It wasn't that they didn't believe in God. They believed in God. As his chosen people, they believed God could restore the world. They believed he could fix the problems of human sin in our world. They believed that. But, but here, was, here was the problem. They believed that God was going to do it through the things that they had put their faith and their hope in. And what were those things? Well, keeping the law. Uh, keeping themselves pure as much as possible and doing good works. You're creating a, a nice resume of good works, good things that they had done that they hoped would, would help them. That was what they thought God wanted from them. That's what they thought it, it was going to take for the world to be rebuilt and restored. It never dawns on them at all that the answer could actually be Jesus. That's not what they're thinking. And they're shocked when Jesus basically says, I'm the one who's going to do that. It's me. And so as Israelites, they would have known their own story, right? I mean, as God's people, if you go read the Old Testament, they, they understood, you know, their ancestry. They understood the generations that had come before them. It was to them that God had given the law. And they, as his people, had failed to obey it. God had given them the promised land as the Israelites, his chosen people, and they'd failed to keep possession of it. He would sent them the prophets, and they failed to listen to them. It was to the Israelites that God had given the temple and the priesthood and the religious system and the sacrificial system, and they had failed to know God even through those things. And so what were they left with? By the time Jesus steps into the sea, what what possible uh, option did they have? Their solution was, we got to try harder to do better. We got to do better than our parents did. We got to do better than our grandparents and the generations that came before us. We got to show up every single day and we got to work harder. We got to try harder to be better. And so we can fix ourselves. That's the, that's the solution they've come up with. That's what they were living for. That's what they were believing. We know what that's like, don't we? I mean, we're, we're not really that much different. This time of year, what we love to do is we love to make New Year's resolutions, right? I mean, if, if I were to go around the room, I bet you some of you who are Planners, especially so those of you in this room and watching online, you probably already have a list of things. Here's how I'm going to better myself. Here's how I'm going to fix myself in 2021. I'm going to come out of this year, and you know, I, I want like, what are your New Year's resolutions? I, I bet for some of you, it's like I'm going to lose the COVID 19 pounds I gained. You know, while I was in this shutdown, I'm going to get back in shape. I'm going to, you know, stop smoking. I'm going to try to drink less. I'm going to try to fix the relationship with my brother. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to be better. I have a friend. He told me uh, that his New Year's resolution for 2021 was to spend less time with his family. And I was like, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> But we, we, we have this kind of innate thing inside of us, don't we? That like, I've got to work harder. I've got to try to make myself better. And this also is the common thread. It's the basic foundation that you see in all the major world religions. Every one of them, all the major world religions are predicated on this concept that God is out there somewhere in heaven or in the cosmos or in the universe or nirvana or whatever it is. And, and we're over here. And so for us to get to him out there, we have to do good works. There, there's, there's a path. There's a righteous way. There's something we have to do to get there. The, the metaphor or the picture that we work with, in, in a sense, is almost like God is on the upstairs of the house in the universe or in heaven or, or whatever it is out there in the cosmos. And we are, are down here living real life in the real world, somehow on the bottom level of the house. And so you got this stairway. And so our our lives basically, the story of our lives is is we're basically trying to do good things. We're trying to follow the right path and we're trying, we hope that we are getting far enough up the staircase. You don't really know how far up you made it until you die and all the major world religions, but you hope uh, that you did well enough when you die that you made it all the way to the top floor. And that's the way it works. That's the way we understand it. Uh, In the early 1960s, there was not a pandemic going on. Uh, The the main story that captured the headlines in the early 1960s was the space race. Some of you in this room were alive then. You remember that. Uh, We were in this race with the Russians. We beat them to the moon, but the Russians actually beat us into space. And in fact, the very first person, the very first human being that ever made it into space was a guy named Yuri Gagarin. This is this is Yuri. He was a Russian cosmonaut. He was the first person, first human being ever to make it all the way into space. And this was a big thing. and made big headlines. Time Magazine, all these things uh, covered this story. And there's this famous line, Russian cosmonauts, many of them atheists, uh, this line that they said and was quoted again and again and again in all the major articles and magazines. And this was the line. They said, Yuri went into space, but he didn't find God there. It's this momentous moment, really, in human history. Finally, a human being, we make it all the way out there to the universe, to the cosmos, out there in space. There's no God there. We truly are all alone. It's just up to us to figure it out. And C.S. Lewis was alive in the early 60s during this time. C.S. Lewis was an atheist who became a Christian and then he became a theologian who wrote many of the books and many like well-loved books and, and things. And C.S. Lewis wrote an article that got published that was a response to this statement. Yuri went into space and he didn't find God there. And you can go Google it. You can read the whole article if you want, but I'll summarize it for you. Basically, what, what C.S. Lewis says is he says, look, God doesn't relate to human beings uh, like you know someone living on the top floor of the house relates to someone living on the, the first level the bottom floor of the house that's not how god relates to us at all he said he said of course yuri went into space and didn't find god there that's not how god relates to us and here's what cs lewis said it was so absolutely brilliant he said the way god actually relates to human beings and the the human story is more like an author relates to a character in a play that he's written And so, using his illustration, he says, Hamlet can't really know that Shakespeare exists in the confines of the place. It's not like Hamlet can climb up in the rafters of the theater and find Shakespeare. Uh, Hamlet can't go back behind the curtain backstage and find Shakespeare back there. What what C.S. Lewis said is the only way for Hamlet to know that Shakespeare exists is for Shakespeare to write himself into the story as a character. And his point is that's exactly what God did in the person of Jesus. He, he wrote himself into the human story as a character in our story, our broken, messed up story. In fact, that's what Jesus was saying. In Luke 4, when he opens up this passage written 700 years before, and he says, Listen, what you just read it's about me. I've come, I've been written into your story to do that, to restore this world, to fix the problem of human sin. In in Christianity, the way it works is your sin is too great. You're you're too close to the problem. You're too affected by sin yourself. You can't climb up and, and and, and, you know, the stairs and meet God. And so in Christianity, what happens, the way it's distinct from any other world religion is God himself comes down the stairwell in the person of Jesus and offers himself as the solution. His very self uh, in a sacrificial death on the cross in our place for our sins so that he dies the death we deserve and so that we can have the opportunity, if we choose it, to have the life that only he deserved. Eternal life. A life that, that... never ends. And this is what Jesus did. He literally wrote himself into the story of humanity. And not just that, but I believe that tonight, Jesus wants to write himself into your story personally. His salvation isn't just something that's out there. It's something that's been done on your behalf, but he wants to know you personally. He wants to write himself into your story personally. I remember when he did that for me. The way Jesus wrote himself into my story started when I was in middle school. So when I was in uh, early middle school, my family moved from Indianapolis, where we lived, uh, to this small town in northern Indiana. It was right in the middle of the school year. And to be very honest, the, the reason our family moved is because my parents uh, were struggling, were not in the best place. And so this kind of represented like a fresh start for them a fresh start in a new town to try to maybe start afresh and do some things better. And so what happened is my mom is dropping me off at my middle school, middle of the school year. I'm the new kid in class and I'm scared. I don't want to go and I'm kind of fighting her the whole way. She drops me off in my classroom. She drops my sister and my brother off already at the elementary. And she's turning to leave. She's trying to get out of the middle school. She's, things are just hard. Things are, are not in a good place. And so she's trying to make the door and get out of the parking lot before she starts crying. And she doesn't make it. She she's literally just begins to break down and begins to cry before she even hits the door. And my middle school principal, Mr. Austin is what I called him. Mr. Austin just happens to see my mom, and he intercepts her as she's trying to get out to the parking lot, and he can see she's crying. Life is hard. Things are just not good. You know, we're in a new pa- town. She doesn't know anybody, doesn't know where this is all headed or if this has even been the right decision or not, and so he stops, and he talks to my mom, and after a couple minutes, he just says, hey, you know, you know what? You should come to church with me and my family, Like, you're new here in town. It'd be a great way for you to meet people. You don't know anybody. You should should come with us to church somewhere sometime. That invitation changed my life. It literally changed the trajectory of my entire life. And the reason is because we did. We did go to church with he and his family. It wasn't the next Sunday or even the Sunday after that. I don't know how long it was, but eventually... We said yes, and so I remember this day came where he, Mr. Austin and his wife said, hey, we'll meet you at the door. And so I remember our family getting dressed up. It's like, what is this? We, and we drive in the car to church. We park in the parking lot. I remember these feelings of like, what is this place? What, do, what are we doing? How are we supposed to act? Maybe it's some, how some of you felt even tonight coming here, or maybe some of you online if you visited And it's this feeling of like, I don't know anybody. What am I supposed to do? And I remember Mr. Austin and his wife met us at the door, and they were so kind. They showed us around, and then they sat with us in church. And then we came back again. And so week after week, we'd come back, and I would sit with my middle school principal in church. And we were so messed up. If I I let myself just think back on what was going on in, in our home at that time, and nobody knew. Nobody knew. Like, like we, would, we were sitting there in church every week, and nobody had a clue what was really going on. But what happened is, if you fast forward one year from that moment, one year later, I had accepted Jesus. Jesus had written himself into my story. I'd gotten baptized in that church. And not only that, Jesus had written himself into my family story. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I can't even explain this. It's it's one of those things that's so good when I think about it. It it just brings tears to my eyes because there is nothing that was lost during those years of my life that God has not restored and given back. There was nothing broken during those years that God has not fixed. I'm telling you, he's that good And that's what he wants to do. It's what Jesus came to do, is to write himself into our story. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to give you an invitation. I want to do for you what Mr. Austin did for me. I'm going to extend you an invitation. So here it is, one year from now. You think about one year from now. You can be living a totally different story But a new story in 2021 begins with letting Jesus write himself into your story tonight. It begins with allowing him to have your life. And what the Bible says at the end of of Scripture, the story of Scripture, what it says is that when we allow Jesus to write himself into our story, that our names are written into the story of Jesus for all of eternity, into the Lamb's book of life for all of eternity. And so that's why Jesus came. That's what Christmas is about. And so how do you do that? How do you actually let Jesus write himself into your story? And the way you do it is Jesus is as close as your next breath. He's as close as your next prayer. I remember this when this was like, uh, this had never dawned on me. Um, But, you know, Jesus isn't out there in in the universe or just out there in the universe. He's actually with us right now. We can just pray to him right now. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. Everybody, if you're watching online or in this room, would you just bow your heads with me? And I, I just want to lead you in a prayer. It really is more of a confession is what it is. And so if this is you, if you're saying, yeah, I, I can't fix myself. There's, I've tried. There's no amount of stairs that I can climb that are going to somehow get me where I need to go. And if tonight you're saying, I know it's time, I need Jesus to write himself into my story. Jesus came, he's he's proclaimed by the angels at his birth as a savior. He came as a savior because we needed to be saved. There's nothing shameful about that. That's all of our story. If you're there tonight, if if you're saying, yeah, that's me. Maybe this is the first time you've ever done this or, or maybe for you, maybe you grew up around church or maybe you were connected before COVID happened and before all this and tonight you're saying, no, I need... To to return, I need to surrender myself afresh to him. I need to let him write himself into my story for all of eternity. If that's you, I just want to invite you to pray along with me. We're just going to go to him right now and just pray with me. Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. God in flesh written into our story to rescue us. And so, Jesus, tonight I confess to you all the empty ways I've tried to climb the stairs. I confess to you all the empty ways, I, all, all the empty things I've run to instead of to you. And I ask you to save me tonight. I confess you as Lord. Would you give me a new life in you? And would you write me into your story for all of eternity? In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. My friends, whether you're watching online or whether whether you're in the room, if you prayed that prayer, if you meant that, if that was sincere, what we believe is that you just got saved. We believe that Jesus has written your name into his story for all of eternity. And so uh, we wanna do something to celebrate that tonight. And so if you've been sitting in the room, those of you watching online, there's a giant banner over here on this side of the room with the name Jesus. It says, Jesus wrote his name into my story. And so what we wanna do tonight is we wanna take a a moment to just celebrate because we celebrate when Jesus redeems people because that's that's what we all are here for. That's what he came here for. It's what Christmas is all about. And so whether this was the first time you've ever prayed that prayer and this was for you, this is a a brand new start or whether it's for you, a, a representative of returning uh, recommitting yourself and saying, yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in this. I'm letting Jesus write his name into my story. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to actually write your name into the white letters of the name of Jesus on that banner. And we want you to do that physically here in this room. And we also would lo- like for you to do that if you're watching online. And so if you're watching online, there's something that's appearing right now on the screen that'll tell you exactly how you can let us know. We're gonna have somebody over here uh, actually writing, um, writing the names down that come in from online and uh, writing those names into the, the banner that, that has the name of Jesus on it. And basically, uh, just keep in mind, there is kind of like a couple minute delay between what happens in here and what happens on the screen. Uh, but if you're in the room, in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we do that, uh, we have clean markers and we have we have a way to do this. We'd love for you to come and actually sign your name on this banner. And here's the thing. We realize we're, we're living in this sort of social distance COVID time. If you're not... Um, comfortable actually doing that you can do exactly what we're asking the people online to do you can actually uh let us know too online by what's on the screen behind me and we'll we'll write your name in there for you so whether it's meaningful for you to come do it yourself or to or to have us do it for you we just invite you to do that and here's what we want to say um right down from the banner we actually have a gift for you and here's what's important about that i want you to hear what we believe not only the first thing we believe is that this needs to be celebrated There's a stake in the ground. It's a no turning back moment. There's something that happens when we make a bold move. And I realize like getting up in a room full of people or maybe you don't know everybody, I realize that's kind of a bold move and going and writing your name on there. But something happens when we make a bold move and we put a stake in the ground, we say this is a no turning back moment. It goes from being something we did on a night in December to to a moment that changes the trajectory of our entire lives. Some of you need that so badly in this room. Some of you need that so badly online watching right now. You need... You need Jesus to change the trajectory of your story, of your family's story. And I'm telling you, he can do it. And so um, we have a gift for you. And this gift is something to commemorate this night. And it's also something to help you on your journey. Because here's what the second thing that we believe. First was this should be celebrated. The second is this is not a finish line moment. That's not what this is when you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life it's a starting line moment it's the beginning of something he wants to do immeasurably more than you could possibly ask or imagine and I'm telling you he's going to do it he's going to do it he's going to restore he's going to move he's going to heal he's going to lead you and so we have something we want to just give you to help you kind of begin on your journey and so um, are you ready? okay let's stand up here in the room And if you're ready, as we sing this song, I'd love for you to just come right over here. Um, If you're ready to do this in the room, if you wanna let us know online, we'll be writing uh, as well online over there. But let's write our names in this banner as a way to just commemorate this moment and just symbolically say, Jesus, we've been written into your story for all of eternity because you wrote your name into our story. So let's do that. Let's sing together.